Welcome back. Seven past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. We're joined by Bill English, business consultant, adjunct college professor, and the founder of BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Well, good morning, Bill. How are you doing today? Good. You uh, shared a startling stat with me I wasn't aware of. 90%, 90% of all small businesses fail in the first 10 years of their existence, which is really stunning to me. I'm wondering, I know we have a lot of small business owners that listen to Faith Radio and people that work for small businesses. In fact, uh, a large percentage of Americans do. What are some of the warning signs that tell you that a small business could be in trouble? Well, you know, I got to thinking about this topic. Uh, I, I read the Wall Street Journal on a regular basis, and I got to thinking about this topic uh, not only from the readings that I do there, but also from watching the Trump campaign. The, the Trump campaign is violating one of these uh, three rules that I'm going to give you here. And I think that's the reason that uh, uh, I predict that Trump is probably going to lose this election and Mrs. Clinton is going to win. Uh, but the, there's, I, I put him in three C's, if I can put it that way. I'm going to talk about cash. I'm going to talk about customers. And then I'm going to talk about culture. So the three warning signs... Uh, for any small business or nonprofit organization or any kind of movement, project, cause, whatever it is, that that you think it's – these are warning signs that it's actually going to go downhill. Uh, the first one is always uh, cash. And what do I mean by cash? I mean that cash is tight. You're not able to pay your bills on time. You're incrementally borrowing more and more money in order to meet your current obligations. And as a result, your cash uh, dwindles and your credit dwindles. And you finally hit what I call a pinch point where you have to start stretching out vendors and you have to start kind of using vendors as your bank uh, until you can figure out how to adjust your expenses and get your cash flow working again. And, of course, vendors don't like that very much, do they, Bill? No, they don't. I've been on both sides of that equation. I've been that guy... Uh, who has been a vendor that was stretched out, and I didn't enjoy it that much. Uh, and I've also been a guy who's owned a business who had to stretch vendors, and I didn't enjoy that either. So uh, it's not fun being on either side of that equation. So cash uh, shortage or shortfall, uh, dipping into those reserves, getting to a point where you've got to borrow or you've got to you know, kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, what's one of, one of the major uh, red flags? What's another? Another one is, I'm going to put it as customers. Your customer base is starting to go downhill. Your customers are starting to scatter and go elsewhere. And that's what I think is happening to the Trump campaign, frankly. And uh, the, the customers are no longer talking about you. They no longer think that you are uh, the right vendor for the products and services that you're selling. And you're, uh, for lack of a better term, Bill, you're kind of losing your market juju, right? You just don't have, you know, you, you've lost your groove. You just don't have uh, what it takes uh, to continue to uh, keep your customers and attract new customers. And this can be as simple as lack of a solid lead generation program all the way to having uh, customer service that just doesn't really serve very well. Um Sometimes when I sit down with a company, I do their whole value chain proposition, and uh, I look at every asset. It's really a, a fascinating way to build the process on a whiteboard and say, how do we 
uh, create value for the customers. And what people begin to see out of that exercise, among other things, is that every part of the business is experienced by the customer at one time or another. And if too many parts of the business are not functioning well, the customers kind of shrug their shoulders and say, you know, there's nothing to see here. Let's move along and find somebody else. What if the product itself is the problem, Bill? And we've certainly seen that just with innovation over the past few years where some companies, Kodak is a, is a good example, uh, the, the, yeah. uh, the, the DVD rental business <laughs> has been an example, the brick and, brick and mortar stores that were doing that. Uh, what happens if your, your product is simply not in demand anymore and you've got to totally uh, chuck it, retool? What do you do? And that's happening more and more. That that used to not happen as much, uh, but uh, you have to you have to literally reinvent your company. You have to come up with a new brand, new slogan, new product mix, and that means understanding what your customers now want, what they desire, and what they're willing to pay for, and at what price point they're willing to pay for it. And then you got to go back and figure out how you're going to serve uh, that service or manufacture that product in a way that's profitable for you. Uh, there are some times when that's just not possible. Uh, what customers want at a price point that they're willing to pay for is just not going to work for any business. And those tend to be markets that head overseas, at least in manufacturing. So, In your uh, consultancy work, have you come into a company where you've gone, you know what, people aren't going to want this product in you know, five years or one year <laughs> based on where technology is going and here's what you need to do. And then were they, were they able to listen to you? Uh, yes and yes. And so uh, the, the larger question is what's the core value that the company offers to the market and is it unique enough that people are willing to pay for it? And uh, a lot of times co- uh, companies start out with a core uh, value to the marketplace that people are willing to pay for, but over five or eight or 10 years, they lose that edge. The, the industry changes, the vertical changes, the market changes, and the company doesn't change with it because the entrepreneur is far too tied uh, to the product mix as it is. Their identity is wrapped up too much in that, and they're just not able or willing to make the change, and they end up going out of business. Mm. I should have st- sold that stock in Shia Pets long, long ago. It just never. Well, you know, I thought you were the president of Pet Rocks at one time. Were you not? <laughs> okay, so what was the what was the, what was the third area that you you were talking uh, about? People need to pay attention culture. to culture. Thank you. That's all right. Culture. That's right. So cash, customers, and culture. And so uh, when your culture is not good. Uh, people will leave. You will lose your top talent, and you'll end up being left with mediocre talent. And mediocre talent does not produce a great company. You always need some top talent in the mix in order to produce a great company. So what, what, uh, what makes up culture? Everybody hears about culture. I define culture in two ways, and it's a combination of two things, actually, Bill. Number one, it is your core values, how you're going to behave. And uh, as long as that is enforced up and down the org chart, including the CEO, as long as everybody adheres to behaving according to the core, co- core values, you're going to have half your culture in place. Uh, the problem there is that sometimes really highly talented people get a pass 
on living by the core values. And as a result, uh, other people don't take them seriously, and so your culture degrades. The other half of, of your um, uh, culture is your processes. How do we get things done? And the more clear those processes are, and the more people understand how they're supposed to behave within core processes, who makes which decisions, who has the authority to make those decisions, uh, then you have the other half of culture. So if you know how to behave and you know how to get your work done, you're going to have a great culture. Mm. And, of course, it's got to come from the top down. If you have the CEO violating his or her own policies, that, they're not going to go so well with the, the rank and file yeah, or the customer. people aren't going to respect it. Yeah, yeah people aren't going to respect it. And we've seen those uh, situations certainly uh, in the news where we've had a, a major business leader uh, really violate their own principles. So our guest is business consultant Bill English. He is the founder of BibleandBusiness.com. If you are a business person, work for a small business, boy, you check out some of his great uh, articles and insights there. Really some wonderful theological applications to business as well. Bible and business. Com. We'll be uh, right back after this break and talk about a very exciting business conference that Bill's involved in coming to the Twin Cities area for our Faith Radio listeners there. Good morning. It's 19 minutes past the hour at the Faith Radio Network. Bill Meyer with my friend Bill English. He is the founder, president of BibleAndBusiness.com. He's a business consultant uh, in the Twin Cities area and beyond. And we were talking about the the incredible failure rate of small businesses, which I did not realize 90% of all small businesses fail in the first 10 years of their existence. Uh, Bill, uh, just real quickly, what are two things that would help a small business owner ensure that they don't become part of that 90% statistic and go out of business? Boy, I tell you, um, the, the, if, if I should name two things, the first thing would be get outside help, even if you don't think you need it. Um, you know, there's a phrase we use um, at Platinum sometimes. It's called, uh, we say, no one ever has an ugly baby. Right. Um, and, and the meaning there is that uh, every entrepreneur loves his or her business and thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and that they've got it structured the right way and it's, they're doing the right things and all that kind of stuff. And no one ever has an ugly baby. Uh, but the reality is, is that a lot of times these small business owners um, really don't know what they don't know. And that's a dangerous place to be. So number one is getting outside help. And then number two, get a great controller uh, or, or if you can't afford that, a bookkeeper, somebody who can really give you solid numbers. I, almost every business that we go into where we are consulting, we find that the numbers are off, the numbers are bad, they're incomplete, the information is inaccurate or it's the wrong type of information. And so uh, know your numbers. No, 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 your cash and uh, get outside help. Those would be the two things I would say. Mm, good advice. Okay, Bill, you're putting on a special conference for Faith Radio listeners in the Twin Cities who are business owners. Tell us about the, the best practices conference coming up. Well, actually, it's for everybody because you're going to be able to attend online as well as in person. So if you're listening in Hartford or you're listening in Madison or 
or uh, Sioux Falls or wherever it is you're at, uh, you can attend this conference online. We're going to broadcast the conference live. But it's the best practices conference. And what we're trying to do is to offer proven techniques that we think are best practices um, for small business owners. And this isn't just Bill English pontificating here. Uh, this, this is sponsored by the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Anoka Ramsey uh, Technical College's Professional Education Center, uh, the 360 Centers of Excellence around the state of Minnesota, um, as, as well as... Uh, <laughs> Other good group. folks, the Platinum Group. Yeah, you're... Other good folks, but we yeah. have the Platinum Group where I do my consulting. And so uh, this is a group of, uh, of organizations. That all, we all work with small businesses, and we're all coming together, and we're saying, hey, business owner, pay attention. These things you really need to do. And we're offering those on October 20th. So uh, describe a few of the topics that you'll be discussing and the types of things that you and the other speakers will be teaching these uh, small business owners and big business owners, frankly. Yeah, so uh, this is really slated for businesses between three and maybe up to $100 million, probably $75 million is better. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, three basic topics, how to deal with millennials. We're going to talk about uh, defined uh, health care contribution plans. And then I'm going to do a session on the 14 different funding sources for businesses. Almost every business needs cash at one time or another. And uh, I'm going to talk about the 14 different ways that you can pull cash into your business. The bank is not the only place you can go to find money. 14 different ways? I, that's yeah, amazing yeah. to me. Like, like cup, yeah, no, no. cupcake sales? No, go Cupcake sales? No, no, lemonade. <laughs> lemonade, Bill. Come on, buddy. My, my, you know, my, yeah. da- my daughter's got it, Bill, because she does both lemonade and cupcakes at the same stand. So, you, you know, know, yeah, she's, she's already on the, on the road to entrepreneurship. There you go. <laughs> So she ha- she has a bakery and she has a beverage aisle. She I like this. She <laughs> I, I didn't realize so though. I didn't realize there were fourteen different ways to to uh, bring in uh, cash or, or raise capital for your company. Well, if you map it, if you map a normal business life cycle, okay. What we're going to do is say here's a business life the the normal business life cycle. You know, startup and phase and all the other phases. And we're going to say, here's the kind of cash you need to be looking for based on the life cycle that you're in. So, for example, I'm, I'm working right now with a startup uh, that has no money at all. And, and this individual has come up with a fabulous idea uh, that I think is very disruptive in his vertical and could be well into the uh, nine figures of income if we can get it off the ground. But we need to find seed money, startup money to help us get the prototype built. And I, I uh, got a hundred bucks. I, I can help a hundred bucks. I, I need, I need more like 150,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, well, you could give me a point point zero zero two share of the company there. So they do well. <laughs> there you go. I have a good return on my investment. All right. Bill English from Bible Once again, where can you find out about the best businesses practice a conference? Uh, just go to bestpracticesconference.com. Best. Bestpracticesconference.com. All right, check it out. You can also see it online if you can't attend in person. Bill English, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate you. You bet. Have a good day, buddy.